to the next episode on the For Dog's Sake podcast. Um, as always, you've got me here, Louise Campbell-Pearson, the founder of Canine Friends. We've also today got a little special guest on who is my friend Lucy. Um, we bonded over Puppy Blues, which is the topic of today. Um, and obviously we've got the lovely Jay. Yeah, Jay Gurdon. I am the founder of Blue Mill Minion and I also run Good Guardianship. I also have my own tales of puppy woe. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, Lucy's here because she's got, um, you know, she's got some good stories to tell from the puppy blues period, which I'm sure we can all relate to. So first and foremost, it's really, really important to say that um, it's much more common than you realise, the puppy blues. Um, A lot of people think that you've got this new puppy and it's meant to be amazing and oh, it's only a puppy, it's easy and oh, you get, you know, people going, oh, you try having kids, you try having babies. But equally, I have clients that say to me, this was harder than my baby. Um, and I have three children and this has been harder because you've got, as we said in our, one of our previous podcasts, it, you've got a, a, a toddler that's trying to kill itself and, and also doesn't wear nappies. So it poops and wheezes everywhere in the process and you get no sleep. I mean, it's just hell. And it's like expected to be normal and lovely and it's not normalized to say this is really hard. Completely. There's, we've said on previous episodes that there is this expectation that having a dog is just so normal so it's all going to be easy and it just isn't like that in reality no not at all I mean Luce I know you've obviously struggled as well um it's 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 actually what where mine and Lucy's friendship came from uh we met on a Facebook support group <laughs> and we and we became friends um because even you know I, I needed help I needed support like I just needed someone to reach out to that was gonna really understand what I was going through with my specific issue with Luna when she was a puppy and Lucy just we had the same story and um you know at the time it felt impossible what we were going through which sounds ridiculous but if you haven't been through puppy blues it probably sounds insane um but you know I'm equally pleased because I've I've made so many good good friends, um, both of which are on this podcast today from struggles with uh, my dog. <laughs> so, and I'm a dog trainer, and so this is just what you know. It can happen to absolutely anyone, and, and it's totally normal, and it's so much more common than you realise. Um, and that kind of brings us on to our next. Uh, point of that it is so so important to reach out to people it's it's you know one of the key things and I think all of us can say that's what got us through our own individual puppy blues periods for varying different degrees completely it's so so important to have the people that you can talk to whether it's just for advice or just to have a bit of a vent because sometimes you just want to go oh my god <laughs> you know it's just, you have to get it out of your system because this, I hate it. I hate the puppy. <laughs> like, yes, this cute little bundle of fluff, but oh, won't you please yeah. shut up? You know, it's it's just, you get to a point where, I mean, you know, we've all been there with the sleep deprivation, right? Mm-hmm. That that thing where, you know, you, you're functioning on about three hours sleep a night and it feels like it's never going to end. Oh, and also there's so much conflicting information available online about what to do. And I find owners often come to me because they just get confused and they get muddled and they're trying different things and nothing seems to be working because nothing's being consistent. And also it's because they are in such a low emotional place um, and like mental state that they're just wanting to try anything and, and find anything that works. So they then struggle even more so um, 
because what they're trying isn't working. It is so relentless. It's completely relentless and and also traumatizing. <laughs> uh, and when you hear our individual stories, you understand hopefully why for us that was real realistic thing to say. And I think so many people, you either get this or you don't. You either think we're completely dramatic and just get on with it, or you'll go this this is what I needed to hear. This is what I needed to hear when my puppy was younger, or you may have a puppy right now and going, this is what I need to hear right now. So you're totally not alone. It is totally normal. And I think when I was speaking to Lucy today, prior to to coming on, you know, she said something really key, like postnatal depression is something that is so normalized. And whilst it isn't the same, and there's obviously hormones involved in things like postnatal depression, it's from what you look up, it's a similar thing going on. You have this expectation, this build of something that's going to bring so much joy and you spend, most people spend months planning and saving up and, and, you know, getting all this, getting their bed and their lead and picking a name and you're going to love them forever. And, and then they arrive. And then from usually within about one to two weeks, you're starting to think, oh my gosh, this is so much harder than I thought. Um, even if you're prepared and, things happen that you can't plan for and that all three of these all three of us have stories which relate to that last point things happen that you can't plan for now i'll start off by telling my story um because we're going to hear all of our individual stories today um and hopefully you find something relatable uh we are going to talk about some quite sad topics at some point so just you know do your discretion at that um however First off with me, when I got my puppy Luna home, um, I had been, been preparing this for this for two years. I'd been researching breeders, researching breeds. I was so, you know, I'd seen so many clients that had, you know, perhaps not got the puppy from the best breeder or not got the best breed that was suited to them. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to do exactly what is right for me. And I spent ages finding the right breeder and by the way, I have to say my breeder is fantastic. What happened to me is really nothing to do with her. It was just bad luck um, that Luna is a certain way. And she did all the right tests. I met the parents, all, all of that, completely no discredit to her. However, when Luna came home at eight weeks old, it was very, 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 very evident from like day two that she had horrific separation anxiety and this is something that we will talk about in more detail, specifically that issue in another episode. However, what happened was this happened. So separation anxiety can't be left alone. I also had three back-to-back surgeries off the back of getting my puppy and was bed bound, had this expectation of what it was going to be. I was so, so, so looking forward to getting my puppy. I was looking forward to all the training I could do with her. I was looking forward to making her, in my eyes, the perfect dog. And I had set expectations way, way, way too high for myself. So I was, of course, going to fall short for them. And also all this other stuff happened, which made it 10 times worse. I'd, you know, I had one of, one of the surgeries was on my shoulder. So I literally couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk her I couldn't really do any training with her because I wasn't allowed to bend down for like three weeks um, and lift anything even in the other arm so it was all a bit of a nightmare and the thing what it was was that my mental health took such a colossal hit um, and both of you in fact were 
witness to phone calls of me in absolute hysterics. I can't do this. I think both of you have had conversations with going, I can't do this. I'm not prepared for Luna right now. Um, I'm not prepared to deal with this considering all this unexpected other stuff happened uh, because the surgeries were not planned. Uh, my, my shoulder was, but it was meant to happen months before and it kept getting delayed. And if anyone's ever had surgeries, you know, just that's what's happened. That's what happens sometimes. The other two were completely unplanned uh, due to my autoimmune disease. And I just had to have them and there was no two ways about it. And it was just, it was hell. It was absolute hell. I, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't do the right thing by her. I was getting frustrated with her. And that was the most conflicting one. And I think we've all had that where you feel frustrated and you kind of start to resent your puppy and then you know it's not their fault and you feel awful for that but you can't help it (laughs) because it's just how you're feeling when your mental health takes a a hit and you can't cope with the sleep deprivation and the fact that you're constantly cleaning up poos and wheeze because I couldn't get out I couldn't get up out of bed to get her out in time and I had no one around to help me my other half had to go to work we're both self-employed and then I was trying to ring friends and family to come out and help me. I was putting out Facebook posts going, please, I need help. Um, the breeder helped as much as she could. And we paid for paid for help as well as much as we could. But it was just it was just horrendous. But but the key point is we did get through it and it is normal. That obviously is slightly extreme, but you could have a variety of different things that happen that you didn't expect and reaching out to the, to the right people is so, 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 so important, whether that's a professional friends, family, a Facebook support group, you know, it, you need to have someone to, to vent to because otherwise it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. The, the point that you make that really hits home with me is the frustration. It is incredibly frustrating. You love this puppy. You absolutely adore them. But at the same time, they are just so frustrating because they're so young and they need you to do everything for them. You know, they they need you to be watching out for them because they do seem to have a death wish. Oh, totally. Puppies have a death wish. You know, if there's something they can kill themselves on, they're there. Oh, yeah. Give them a nice comfy bed. No, we're going to be over here chewing the plug socket. The one (laughs) plug socket that you didn't actually manage to block off completely. You left a three inch wide gap. But no, I'm going to get through there and chew the plug socket. Yeah. (laughs) It almost it almost feels deliberate, doesn't it? Like I, I, I remember. Such a good point because it isn't, but you feel like that. Yeah. I used I used to say to Craig, my husband all the time, like, he he is trying to like he is trying to make me like harm him or myself. Like I just had no idea how much puppy proofing mm. you needed to do. And after you've puppy proofed, you've got to go round and re-puppy proof. And then a third like, time. Our, our living room. And then again. Yeah. Yeah. Our our living room is still just barren because I just don't trust him with anything. And he's nine months old now. And you know, I'd I'd I still had ornaments and photo frames and stuff out now and you know honestly our house looks like we're going to move out just because I haven't got anything out anymore just because it's not worth (laughs) it prevention is better than cure oh 100% we tell that to clients all the time um but a lot of the time with puppies you're learning that the hard way and a lot of people are underprepared for puppies but having said that I was as prepared as I could be to have a puppy I 
I, you know, I don't like to use the word specialized, but at the time I was very, very much specializing in puppies purely because of the pandemic and there being so many puppies and we see so many clients with puppies. And then I did so many specialist qualifications in it to really kind of get to know the topic at a more in-depth and advanced level. But it, I, I couldn't cope. I couldn't cope. I'm, it's, it's one thing knowing what to do and it's another applying that 24-7 365 that's the thing isn't it the relentlessness of it it is that 24 7 full-on it never ends it's very different to going into a client for an hour and leaving Mm. I if if, when it's broken down I sometimes wish I have a trainer come around because I need I need my 24 hours broken down I need my 365s broken down into little bite-sized elements but that's where I am lucky enough that I have a a network of professionals that I can kind of reach out to and and kind of just help me pick a pick through the the mess of it all that, that happens when you get a puppy and the dauntingness of it and the relentlessness of it and you know, getting in those dark places. So, but that's where a professional can help you. Cause even if you're like, I kind of know what to do, but I just need someone to come and like, I just need some help. I need someone to talk to. I need to, I need someone to go right this week, you know, do this and next week we'll come back and we'll go through the next stage. Cause it just breaks it up for you. You can be as prepared as it is possible to be. But like you said, when we started out, things happen and you, you start to even being a professional and knowing all the science behind it, you know, all being fully prepared for all the things that you need to do when you have a puppy, you still end up second guessing yourself. And like as, as a professional, imposter syndrome comes into play, doesn't it? And you really start, you know, do I actually know what I'm on about? Do I know anything? What, you know, what end of the dog is which? You, you really get to the point where you just, yeah, I know nothing. Is this is bum or it's head? <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I second guessed myself. I, I, I went into a really dark place, if I'm honest, and it was, it was really, really hard. And I really struggled. And there'd just be days where I wouldn't want to wash. I mean, obviously, we're edging into like about my mental health a lot there, but it was all triggered by this, and it was all, it just because it just made me feel like, what do I even know? Why am I even telling people what to do when I can't manage it myself? But I have to be mindful of the fact that. I was really unwell <laughs> um, and throw that into the mix. I wasn't firing on all cylinders. I didn't, I wasn't at full capacity to be able to deal with it. it. You know, it was like trying to deal with every day whilst being in a panic attack is how it felt. You know, you can't cope when, when the stress levels are that high, you're that unwell, you're on kind of that much pain medication, you're that sleep deprived because of pain and also a puppy that's keeping you up all night. You know, I just the amount of t- days I'd just been like, I can't, I can't do this with the puppy. Um, and I had strong, strong, strong talks about whether or not we were the right home for her. But my other half was was the main reason I actually got through that element of it because he just went, well, I'm going to have to take up the slack for a bit where you can't. Um, and obviously, we were governed very much to his, you know, being at work and coming home. But he took off as much time as he as he could to help look after me, to help look after the puppy much at, you know, the expense of some client relationships, even because he just was like, my family come first. And unfortunately my other half's in bed. She's had three surgeries. I've got a puppy that you can't just leave a puppy when you're in bed all day. It's just not how it works. 
you can't just shut them in a room. Like that would have been horrible. It wouldn't have been ethical. It wouldn't have been kind. And that was also something that was for me playing on my mind, kind of knowing what puppies need and knowing what I couldn't give her. I've got even more frustrated. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 the reason why I want to talk about this is just because it is so important and I want to normalize it. And I want people to know that they're not alone. And I want people to understand that it doesn't matter really what you do as a profession, you can be as prepared as you can be and you can still get caught out. And for me, reaching out to help to other people helped me. And that's how I go and then help other clients as well. Cause I can also understand and I've been through it and I get it. And the amount of clients I've had to me that just burst into tears and I go, I, I hear you like to the core of my being, I hear you. And I know totally know where you're coming from. And this is what I did. And I'm going to be there for you to help you like, you know, cause now I'm better and I'm good and I feel good. And Louis is in a much better place. Now I'm in a capacity to help you when others helped me when I was feeling like that. Yeah. That, that goes into something that we as professionals will often say to, to clients is, you know, be kind when it comes to your job, be patient, be understanding, but you also need to apply that to yourself. It's really important that the human side of the relationship, you know, you get a puppy and it is a massive upheaval. It's a massive life change. You know, it's this huge responsibility that you're taking on because puppies are a huge responsibility. It is so important for people to be kind to themselves, to know that they're not going to be at their best for, let's be honest, months. It takes months to get through this, really. Then, yeah, then you have the teenage phase, which is like yeah. adolescence. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love an adolescent. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it's it's just, it's it can be, for some people, like equally, some people are like, eh, it was fine. And and those those people are lucky. Um, and that some puppies are do cope better. Some people's puppies are less anxious. Luna, Luna was not that as well as all the other health stuff. Luna was not that. Um, she could not cope with a lot of stuff. I mean, at six months old, she went on anxiety medication. And that was, you know, I had many conversations with behaviorists um, about this. And I know a lot about that myself, obviously, because of what I do, but I needed to get an outside opinion that was more uh, abstract from the situation and, and not emotionally connected because I needed to make sure that I was making an ethical choice to put her on this and not an emotional choice. And it was across the board. Yes, 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 yes. Let's help her. She's you're doing everything you can uh, because at that point I was better. You're doing everything you can. And she's really, really struggling. And let's let's have, give her brain a bit of a help so that she can feel it better so that all the stuff that you're doing is able to actually impact her. So Luna was also, she's so lovely though. She's so, so, so lovely. And both of you know that, but she has her, has her staff, which I find, I found really struggling as well. Cause I also had to deal with that expectation of what I thought she was going to be and then accepting how she really is. And I'm partly ashamed, but not ashamed to say like, I did have an expectation of what I wanted her to be. And she wasn't that, she isn't that, but I'm, I love what she is and I'm learning to deal with the stuff that, I don't necessarily love as much, but that goes with partners and humans <laughs> that, you know, there's, you think of, you kind of glamorize what you think it's going to be. And then when it isn't, it's hard to deal with. And mm-hmm. then when you have other stuff going on and you're sleep dep- deprived and it's messy and, and, and you're trying to work and you're stressed, and you're trying to earn money. It's just, it's just a whole 
a whole a whole thing that can can topple over really really easily yeah I mean, I, I, you talk about those people who have puppies where it's really smooth one of my past dogs was like that you know you have that thing where people say that they're their puppy house trained in a week and you know you think that's absolutely that never well, the house trained itself my puppy house trained itself and you're like but well, we're going years back back when it still used to be the thing to have like puppy pads inside yeah yeah and he was pad trained in four days so you know when it, when it came time to the next puppy which was actually this one not the one i'm going to talk about later it was like oh this this is going to be easy he was eight months before we got any kind of reliability in it whatsoever but I have that unrealistic expectation because I had one of those puppies that, you know, everyone says is is fictional. They exist. They are very rare and they really do mess with your expectations. <laughs> I also think Instagram has something to answer for. I mean, I when when uh, Luna does have her own Instagram account, I am that person. Um, however, I don't I'm not very good at posting on it. But when I did in the beginning stages, I was very on it. I, you know, I was very authentic and tried to be authentic about what was going on but sometimes I didn't even have the capacity to even do that because I felt so down um but on the flip side Instagram also sets this an unrealistic expectation of what you think a puppy should be like and you know you see all these perfectly trained puppies and dogs and you just think why can't you know why can't mine be like that? Or perfectly behaved I should say um and there's there is no such a thing but there's this expectation out there um, that you you should have the perfect dog. And if not, it's your fault. And it's not. Yeah, but re- real life doesn't come with an edit function like Instagram does. No. Yeah, I um, so I ran, ran the social media page for my parents' golden retriever, Teddy. So when um, Indy um, appeared in our family, I added him to the, to the dog Instagram. And I found I was almost posting to try and convince myself I was enjoying life. Um, and Mm. I massively regretted posting Indy on my personal social media when we got him, because I think for the first couple of weeks, I was so convinced that we were going to be rehoming him. And I was so, anxious about what people would think of me that I'd like put this cute little puppy all over Instagram and then suddenly there'd be no sign of it and that people would be talking about me so yeah Instagram adds another layer doesn't it yeah definitely and I think it's kind of quite a nice um segue into probably telling us a little bit about your story Luce and 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 what (laughs) tell us about your puppy blues (laughs) (laughs) So we got Indy at the end of October 2021. So we'd had a kind of, I'd had a turbulent 18 months. So my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer in September 2020. Um, Obviously lockdown was happening and yeah, it was, it was a really crazy time. We moved house in April, 2021. And then in May, 2021, we had two cats who were both sadly put to sleep on the same day, um, due to a outbreak of feline. And I can never pronounce this properly. Pancytopenia, um, which was caused, they believe, um, by affected cat food. So, my mum had had cancer, we moved house and then both of our cats had died in kind of a very short space of time. That's brutal. That yeah, is brutal. it was, 
yeah, there, there was just a lot going on. And I decided that I wanted to inject my life with a bit of happiness. Um, so started looking at dogs. Um, obviously the lockdown kind of puppy boom had been and gone. Life was going back to normal, but I work from home and have worked from home kind of pre-pandemic. So I'd, I'd thought about it. I didn't want to kind of get a dog while truthfully the prices were absolutely crazy um especially for kind of the trendier breeds and we ended up getting working working cocker spaniel which are a kind of incre- a, a breed that's increasing in popularity certainly where we live there's there's a lot of cockers around and that kind of drew, drew me to them in the first place because I'd always see them they're always bouncy really really happy uh, good family dogs and energetic so good for the kind of lifestyle that I definitely wanted to to emulate and can I just say like Lucy's such a knowledgeable dog owner like she's not one of those people that just got a working cocker spaniel and doesn't know what she's doing. Like no, she does so much for Indy. Yeah, I do. He's, um, I call him my son and he's my actual world, but it hasn't always been that case at all. Um, and I'm quite honest in saying that truthfully, I think I only really started loving him unconditionally a, a couple of months ago. Um, mm. It has been a struggle, but again, I attribute a lot of that to to what happened in my life since I got Indy. So we picked him up at the end of October, um, probably the worst time to get a puppy, by the way, because you are toilet training in the most horrific weather. Um, nobody yeah. had warned me about that. Um, so kind of... <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> standing outside in the rain it got dark really early in the in the evening and you're stood outside aren't you for like half an hour 40 minutes waiting go wee-wees, go wee-wees. while he's <laughs> eating stones and this is where I was lucky with that perfect puppy because we got him in November but he did it in four days with the pads inside yeah. <laughs> Indy did not and again I thought it was deliberate sorry I digress so yeah we researched the breed really really carefully and I found the most wonderful breeder well, I say breeder, it was a family who had a working cocker called Coco, um, their first their first baby. Um, they'd since had two human babies and they wanted a new puppy. So they had puppies from Luna. They chose the sire really carefully. Um, you know, we know all the, all the lineage, all the history. And Indy is, and people laugh at me when I say this, when I... Um, but he is quite a calm cocker at home. All he, he is, he, he is, he really is at home. They came to stay with me for like a week <laughs> <laughs> at home. All he wants to do is cuddle, which is, you know, that is so wonderful. He has separation anxiety as well, which again is, is how I met and got on so well with Lou so quickly because we had so many kind of shared experiences in our, in our puppy journeys um, but for his for his flaws, he is the most wonderful cuddly dog. He absolutely loves children. He just he just wants to cuddle. And yeah, we were very lucky there because um, I used to torture myself on working cocker spaniel forums on Facebook, trying to work out like where where my resentment of my dog came from. And a lot of people do have issues with this breed in terms of them just pacing constantly, shadow chasing. They can get quite obsessive as well. Yeah, see, I told you she knowledgeable <laughs> definitely I've had yeah I've had to kind of become knowledgeable to really ch- try to understand my dog right I will tell you the story now and I'm sorry I keep kind of jumping backwards and forwards no, no, no. so we Fine, how it goes we picked him up at the end of October um on a Saturday afternoon 
And by Saturday evening, I think I decided that I was quite overwhelmed. And that quickly spiraled into me having a complete emotional breakdown that evening. And my husband having to sleep downstairs with him because I didn't want to be anywhere near near him. And I didn't sleep that night, but by like 5, 6 a.m. I decided that we were returning him to the breeder. And I, I have no idea where that came from. I just think it was just this flood of overwhelm of what have I done? I have crippled my, I mean, lockdown was coming to come into an end. And I was suddenly thinking, we're not going to be, be able to go on holiday. We're not going to be able to do this. You know, stuff had started unlocking. And I think I was very used to lockdown that I was suddenly like, oh my God, I've, I've basically put myself into this self-induced lockdown again. And then Craig slept downstairs. Craig did absolutely everything for him. And on the Sunday we followed the advice to put him in the cake, put him in a crate. So we put him in a crate and I distinctly remember Craig cooked spaghetti bolognese and Indy was in the crate next to us, absolutely just kicking off like you wouldn't believe. And this sound went right through me. I've, I've never had kind of such a visceral reaction to a sound before, but this, you know, when they, when they're carrying on, they sound like they're in pain. And I felt physically sick, like to my stomach. Again, what have I done? What, this is my life now. I, I can't believe what I've done. I didn't understand him. I'd put, I'd put him in a crate. I'd put yeah. him in there with toys and treats. Why wasn't he Why wasn't he happy? Which goes to show how much I've kind of learned about dogs since um, having him. Because, you know, that, that advice to kind of bang them in, let them carry on. They've got all their stuff with them and they'll be fine. That's, that's very outdated and very wrong. But then on the Monday, um, my mum's health took a turn for, a wor- for the worst. So she, her and my dad came over on the Monday morning um, to look after him as I was working. Um, I couldn't book that week off work because my manager was away. I'd book the week after off. Um, they came around on the Monday morning to look after him. By 11.30, they had rushed to the hospital. And yeah, that kind of set the course of events that followed. So yeah, two days after bringing this puppy home, I'm already completely emotionally overwhelmed by the responsibility. Then comes into play kind of my mum's deterioration and um, she passed away in January. So not only was I dealing with the puppy blues, I was dealing with um, my mum dying. And that is a combination of things I don't think I could have planned worse. I soon realised Indy um, had separation anxiety. You know, I was basically housebound with him whilst trying to work plus deal with the stress of... And grieve. And grieve. And you're just stuck in your house with a puppy. Perfect storm, isn't it? No wonder you struggled. Yeah, it was... Oh, it was absolutely awful. And we were working with, so by December, my mum, my mum was still with us in December, but by the start of December, we were working with a behaviorist because I ident- identified Indy had separation issues. Um, he'd started reacting to noise outside of the house, kind of general, generalized anxiety. And, you know, as well as 
trying to see my mum as, as much as possible, trying to keep herself safe from COVID, etc. I'd been trying to socialise my dog. So I was taking him around in a sling and he was trembling in this sling. But again, I'd read this book that said, you know, you, you need, he needs to meet someone wearing a hat. He needs to meet an old person. He needs to meet somebody with a walking stick. So I was driving myself completely demented, trying to create this confident, happy-go-lucky puppy when he was suffering with anxiety and I was suffering with God knows what. And I stopped eating. I shook all the time. I couldn't sleep. Craig was just downstairs. Craig slept downstairs, bless him, um, with Indy. Well, that was just so recently when I was like, this cast to yeah. stop. Just let him sleep in the bed. <laughs> yeah. So now Indy sleeps with us and he sleeps 12, 12 hours. Um, yeah. Up until he was seven and a half months old, he'd still have Craig up three to four times a night. Um, yeah, it was, he was not an easy puppy. Um, but yeah, the puppy blues, I mean, I was, I was Googling puppy regret. I don't love my puppy when will I love my puppy? And until the early hours, just trying to find some people who felt the same way as me because I felt so alone. And again, I was comparing everybody to, you know, I was comparing myself to people on Instagram who just seemed to just have this puppy and it was just this wonderful, wholesome experience. And I broke down to our behaviorist, yeah, in, in, in December. And I just said, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, th- I think... I think I need to rehome him. And she was just like, you have so much going on at the moment. Just bring him to my house. And I drove for three and a half hours to the house of a woman I'd never met. I'd only kind of met over the phone. And she had him for nine nine days and just gave me some respite. And in that time, I missed him. I actually missed this thing that was driving me absolutely insane. And that's when I realized that I couldn't rehome him. And, you know he was my son, as I now call him. And I had to understand him. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's very brave to share your story and be as vulnerable as you have. Um, but cause it is, that, that was a hell of a lot, mm. a hell of a lot to, to go through. And I think it is a testament to you and Craig that you guys have persisted to the level that you have within Lee, despite having significant traumas go on in your life. And I think it's really key, Mm. a few things you said there, which I think so many people relate to, those Googles at 3 a.m., why don't I love my puppy yet? Why why haven't I bonded with my puppy yet? Why do I feel like this? Why do I feel like that? And I think that was one of the things that we most connected on was this understanding of each other and this completely safe and unjudgmental space to say, my dog's a prick. but I love them. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think in having that safe space to say these things, it gives you the space to be able to carry on. Um, Because I think if you don't... I mean, we've we've FaceTimed each other from the bath, both crying at the same time before. Because we, we'd never we even met only... in person. Like we have now, but we just, we just spoke every day on the phone. We still speak every day on the phone. 
um, yeah. I FaceTimed her. We could only bath at the same time <laughs> when our partners were home, but, who so, were both self-employed yeah. carpenters. So yeah. they'd be working ridiculous shifts. We would be doing the day shift with these puppies that had anxiety and our mental health was crippled. Yeah. So we'd bath at the same time and just be like, God, my day's been not, really shit. How's yours? Yeah, not because we'd like, not like, we wouldn't deliberately bath at the same time. We're not that weird, but. <laughs> <laughs> just happened just to happened be in the to bath be, at the same time because it's the only that, time when I said I said pool that we had Louise where where actually you were talking to me she I just want to have a bath and I can't (laughs) yeah (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't like so Luna's separation anxiety was so bad that she would freak out even if she was in the bathroom on the floor with me like not in the bath but right next to me on the bathroom floor and I was in the bath and I put my hand down and she just was distraught honestly it was like traumatizing to see and hear her like that it wasn't just me babying a dog and not you know not coping with a few puppy cries it was like horrifically awful to see her that stressed but yeah that's entire we still struggle with it now yeah like I I again um I don't want to throw around the term PTSD loosely or lightly however if I hear Luna's cry when I do our departure training it ignites this horrific response in my body and I and I feel sick, all those things that, that mm. Lucy said. And it takes me back to how low I felt in that place because of obviously all the other stuff that was going on as well. Um, whilst not as as um, tragic as what happened with Lucy, like it did have quite a profound effect on me at that time. Um, so still hearing that that cry now, it just, it like makes my skin crawl. And, it, and I just think I can't, I can't even hear it. Like mm. it's just if you haven't experienced it you probably think we sound insane <laughs> but you just you it's just something I, I don't know it's like that it's like they're dying it's I could I could listen to a baby cry and kind of not be affected but Indy when he used to throw himself against the stair gate and screech and create it was it was so distressing. All I wanted was to go to the toilet mm. and just, and I'd sit on the toilet with my head in my hands and just weep. And he would be slamming himself against the door to, to get to me. Um, it was honestly one of the worst points of my life. Mm. Like my mum was dying and I, I was housebound with this dog. It was, it was a just like Jay said, a perfect storm. Yeah. It was, awful and I can't believe that we got through it and I like I said I used to go on on Google and I'd Google I don't love my dog and puppy blues how long does it last and I used to read the responses from people that said oh it does get better trust me it does get better and I think they have not got it as bad as me and I genuinely thought I would never get through it and I did. And, and he's my world. And I mean, he's only happy left alone for under three minutes still. And he's, he's nine months old. <laughs> but, but you've I done so much work now. to get to, to get to that. And <laughs> feels, it feels fruitless, but I laugh about it now. But at the time I, I honestly never thought I'd get through it. And you know, I even joke now about getting a second dog. I think that has given Craig, um, some flashbacks because he's like no this is our last dog 
Um, and I do kind of agree with We've him. We said that there, before, but- like, um, well, this is something that Lucy's mentioned to me before. She said, if I, if there's any, even a percent chance that, that this could happen again with the, with the next dog, mm. right. Yeah. Because of how hard it was, it, it's not worth the risk. Um, yeah. for how she feels right now. And I, and I can totally relate to that. Um, I, I can't say how I'm going to feel in however long I've got Luna for time, hopefully a decade plus, but you know, right now I can really, that resonates with me. Um, definitely. And, and something that that's Lucy and I've talked very, very, very openly about is it's made us both question the want or ability to cope with children because of how hard mm. we found that. Um, and I think the key difference in that is people get it when it's a baby. It's, it is much more now normalized. And I think with a puppy, you just, it's expected for you to, ju- I'll just let them get on with it. Just leave them them. Just leave them to be absolutely and horrifically distressed. But when you do mm. deep down really love and care about this thing, you you physically can't do it. So you feel trapped because you're torn between having your own mental sanity, but then equally space from the puppy, i.e. by leaving them on their own to go and be horrifically distressed when you have one with separation anxiety. Um, you're then the whole time worrying about, what poor state your puppy's in and you can't you mm. can't so then you're just trapped in this in this loop and like, yeah and I think it did it did make both Lucy and I have a bit of like an existential crisis and you know what do mm. we want from our lives and and could we cope um if things were to happen and on the flip side we understand how bad it can be but also um we do know that you can get through it and I think that's one of the one of the key takeaways that I'd like for people to get from this is that, you know, you can get through it, whether or not it is getting through it or whether or not, you know, not keeping your puppy is the right thing to do. That is okay. If that is what's best for you and the puppy at the end of the day. And that is, that is really, really important message as well. You can Mm. get through it, reach out for help. And if, you know, there is no alternative, then I'm not pro people giving up puppies, but um, Jay's got a very interesting story on this, which I, I think is a really good, segue into this as well um and i think it's important that you hear jay's story um before perhaps passing judgment on what i've just said because jay's very much the reason why i understand and believe that sometimes not keeping the puppy is what's best yeah anyone who knows me knows that my dog that i have now is to put it mildly complicated he is trying to get involved now (laughs) he is sensitive he's complex he's a reactive dog he is scared of pretty much anything and everything when we got him we had an older dog who was that perfect puppy that i mentioned earlier who he was my absolute heart dog he was you know that that dog that you have that just is absolutely your heart that was red and we lost him three years ago when finn was two so we sort of carried on with one dog for a while, but I, lo- I like two dogs. Two dogs is just a nice number, you know. So we started thinking, Finn is reactive to dogs, but he's, he's not quite so bad with puppies. So I we thought, well, we'll get a puppy. We'll make sure that we're both at home because my husband actually, he stays away all week for work. He's only home at the weekends, but he had some holiday. So we'll find a breeder with 
puppies who are due sort of at the right time to fit in with that because we have border collies so there's there's quite a few of them about and we found an excellent breeder uh there were sheep farmers who were breeding from their dog because she was an excellent working dog and they wanted to keep her bloodline going. And their dog and the sire they chose, they were tested for every possible disease. They were tested for things I'd never heard of. And, you know, I've had colleagues for sort of 30 odd years, used to breed them myself. So came to September last year and the puppy was ready. So we went to pick him up. Um, I think it was about a couple of hours we drove to go and pick him up. We brought him home. He was a really happy, confident little puppy. Uh, eight weeks old, marched into the house, said hello to my mum and, and my sister and my brother, no problem, because um, they'd had Finn while we went to pick him up. So we put him in his, his nice, secure little puppy pen and we went and picked Finn up because he was with my mum who lives next door. We brought Finn back and he, he sort of came in. He kind of jumped a bit and he sort of looked, but he popped himself up on the sofa where he could actually see the pen. Um, and he, he sort of curled up there and was watching and sort of, you know, quite quiet. Puppy was interested in him. He was interested in the puppy. But, you know, we, we kind of, we kept them safely apart. And for the first two days, it actually went really, really well. You know, they were sort of getting closer. And at one point, Finn actually got himself up on the sofa when Daniel, my husband, had the puppy on his knee. I'm sorry, I have to call him the puppy because if I try calling him by the name we called him, I'll be gone. It still gets to me now. Yeah, this because this was the the new puppy, the one after Finn. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I can't actually identify exactly what happened. The only thing I can think is that Finn tried too hard. He pushed himself too hard, and all of a sudden he couldn't tolerate being in the same room with the puppy. He started growling whenever he knew that the puppy was looking at him. We had it sort of set, sorted so we could feed them separately. That was no problem, but then. Puppy was sort of starting to settle down. You know, he'd had a couple of days. He'd started getting his, his paws under him because I had sort of the ideas of how we should do it. You know, I'd been sleeping with him on the sofa, so he was perfectly relaxed and chilled. Toilet training was going quite well. It was all going quite smoothly, apart from Finn couldn't cope with being in the same room with him. He just really couldn't. And the problem that we had was that my husband was going back to work on Monday. So I had three more days and then I was going to have to cope with a dog who needs an awful lot of extra help and support and a new puppy. And they're just, yeah, I would have needed to clone myself. There was just no way that I could fulfill the needs of these two dogs, keep them both safe and keep them both happy. He, he, he could not cope. He tried too hard and he'd spooked himself, which he does do sometimes. He is quite a spooky dog. And he, he just could not cope. And I'm a professional, you know. I've had puppies loads of times before. I say I used to breed them. We actually, we bred some, some working litters. And I know all of the, how you're supposed to do puppy raising, how you're supposed to do the socialisation, how you're supposed to introduce them. But that knowing didn't actually help. It didn't stop the individual character of one dog, meaning that he needed more than I could give him if the puppy stayed with us. And so after, I think it was the fifth day after we picked him up, we actually took the puppy back to the breeder. We actually had to get back in the car, drive two hours with this puppy, who by that point I absolutely adored. He was the most gorgeous little puppy. And actually had to sit in the car for two hours with him on my knee to take him home and hand him back over. And it was absolutely heartbreaking. It really was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But it made me realise that there are times when 
that is the right thing to do. Because if I hadn't done that, there was every chance or certainly every possibility that Finn might have kept trying to push himself and he could have ended up having a go at the puppy, which then means you've got two scared and upset dogs. Because Finn was not happy with the puppy. And, you know, I, I sat and I thought about the fact that mm. this puppy, he was really confident. He was really you know, not phased by anything. He could go and find a home anywhere and settle in. But I had this dog. His world is very small in the number of people that he knows, the number of people that he likes. And he needs so much more than many dogs do. And I had to prioritise which one was going to stay with us. The puppy would go and find another home elsewhere. If Finn didn't have us, he'd have nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd, you mean, you know, but you'd, it's totally understandable and totally the right thing for both dogs. For both dogs. And I think it's quite admirable to put them first because the emotional thing would have been to just keep both dogs and manage and 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 because that's what you would probably have wanted in an ideal world. Well, definitely would have wanted an ideal world, but you've thought about what was best for both dogs. Finn being around a puppy that was gonna make him more anxious than he was already feeling, and puppy that potentially could end up with potentially some behavioural issues as a result of his interactions with Finn. Yeah, exactly. There is a real stigma around rehoming. And for the most part, for good reason. That's, yeah. Let's let's say, yeah. you know, for the most part. But there are some cases where it is what is best for the dog, period. Definitely. I mean, you, you get the situations where people are moving home or, you know, they, they find some excuse because they don't want to fit a dog into their lives anymore. And that is... That is not okay. Yeah. Oh, I've just changed my mind. I've just, I just don't, I've just, you know, just, it's a bit harder than I thought. Like that from, I'm not okay with, but you know, what you went through and, and Lucy, like in your, I said to you, it's understandable if you can't cope because of what you've gone through, like, and hats off to you for not giving up on him, but it would have been understandable. Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, if, there have been two of us here all the time. We probably could have got through it because, you know, one of us have each dog, but there was just no way that we could cope with it in the situation that we were in. Um, and I got some grief about it. I actually did get grief about taking this puppy did back. You? Oh, I, I got judged hard. Brutal. Yeah. People saying, you know, you should have worked harder at it. There's sort of people who think that you can make any dog fit in any home. And it, it it just doesn't work like that. I mean, you, know, you have to do what is best for everybody involved. And that includes people and dogs. Yeah, I think even before my mum got sick on that first night when I was hit with that bolt of just what have I done? And that was with, you know, without my mum being sick. If somebody could have told me that they could have magic that puppy away and I wouldn't have been judged by anybody for doing yeah. it, I would have done it. Like it was, it was very kind of severe um overwhelm and regret but yeah i i would never ever ever judge anybody for rehoming now because you know like jay said she'd lived with the puppy for what five days and you loved him you loved him so much and that is to 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 imagine you sat in that car with a dog that you loved taking it back that that breaks my heart and that is such a testament to you, but also to the thousands of people that have had to do the same thing so they can advocate for their reactive dog. You thought getting this puppy would help him. It did the opposite. And that must have, it must have crushed you. It's, it's really, um, yeah, a really, really sad story. Yeah, it, It's so important to take the individual personality of the dog into consideration. 
because you wouldn't expect any person to be able to go and live in a home with other you know you wouldn't expect just to be able to shove a load of people together in a house and they would just live together perfectly happily like you said you and your husband could have split your time but what would a you know if you've got a dog for 14 15 years what would that do to your relationship to have to live like that I once um during lockdown I fostered for a charity and we had two old boys old Jack Russell terriers that came to live with us and they were a um they were siblings they were from the same litter but they were like oh, I don't want to say like 15 16 you know terriers can can really crack on a few decades in some cases and very very sadly their owner had passed away an elderly man and we um fostered them the two of them together and um it became very apparent because of my experience and knowledge quite quickly that these dogs did not like each other um and is quite often with related pairs actually um and i had conversations with the charity and just said is it possible to home these dogs separately i genuinely think that they will be happier so we, they set up a trial week where one of the other fosters would have one and I'd keep one. And these dogs changed overnight. And these are dogs that have been together well over a decade, their entire lives. They just did not get on. It did not make them happy. And both dogs went on to be rehomed to loving homes. And by all accounts, were very, very happy from what I've heard from, you know, through the charity. Um but they did not suit living well together. Um, and obviously that was a slightly different situation with the owner passing away, but these dogs have been together so many years and they, they didn't cope. It wasn't what was best for them. And they were much happier not in that situation. Jay and I've said, we're going to talk and we're going to do an episode on homing and rehoming um, because there's so much to talk to about it. And it's a very, um, it's a hot button, you know, it's a hot topic. And I think it's important to, to talk about it and normalize it um and kind of there are circumstances where rehoming in my opinion isn't right there are circumstances where it is right but we will obviously talk about that in in much more detail but to kind of finish on our little puppy blues episode i know it's been quite a heavy one listeners today but it is a heavy topic there there is there are no two ways about it and i think that it is really important to hear other people's stories to kind of know that you're not alone and help you get through to it and um, get through it and know that there's other people out there and professionals. You know, I think a lot of professionals feel like they can never say that they struggle. I struggle. I struggled. I still do struggle, but I know I have the knowledge to be able to help myself as much as I can and the support network to help me. And where you don't have the knowledge, you can hire a professional to get the knowledge because as Jay and I have spoken about in other podcasts, our purpose is to give you the knowledge so you can deal with it. That's that's what our job is. Um, but guys, do you have any final thoughts you wanted to say on Puppy Blues to any of our listener? Probably only one, but listener. <laughs> My mum. Hi, mum. <laughs> it is normal. It really is. Having a puppy... It changes your life. It becomes your whole world pretty much for a while. It just, everything goes completely out of sync and that is going to have an effect. So those feelings are normal. They yeah, really and get, are. And it gets better. It does get it better. Does. It does. I promise you that. We're all living testament to that. Luce, did you have any, have any thoughts 
or anything else you wanted to add um, on top of? Yeah, I just think reflecting on kind of mine and Indy's journey has just, I can't believe I came out the other side of it with my dog. And he, it's such a cliche, but he is my best friend. He is my constant. He follows me around everywhere. We sleep together. Um, but I, I never thought that I would make it this far with him. And, you know, I texted Lou this morning to say that I was having a bit of a down day. Um, and that I'd taken him to by the river, which is one of his favorite places to be because watching him live his best life and be happy truly is what makes me happy now. And I mean, if our story is anything to go by, I just think, try and understand your dog. Um, I didn't understand Indy. I didn't understand why, why he cried all the time, why he wouldn't let me out of his sight. And I think for me, hiring a behaviorist um, helped me understand him. And once I, I was doing the most stupid things and then she, she kind of just explained it to me and I was like, well, of course that isn't going to make any sense. And it's just those simple conversations that completely rewrite your experience and changes your perspective, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And suddenly we had a plan and I think half of the battle is, is having a plan in, and coping mechanisms. And yeah, the, the support that I have had from strangers on the internet there's a lot of idiots on the internet, don't get me wrong, but Lou is not. <laughs> so many idiots Luckily, on the That's going to be several more episodes yeah. later on. <laughs> idiots I, on like, the internet. I truly struck gold with Lou. And I just think, you know, I I have gone through some incredibly sad times with my dog, but I wouldn't have met you without without my struggles with Indy. So, you know. Yeah, sorry, you're, you're stuck with me now. <laughs> every, every cloud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every cloud. It's funny though, isn't it? That seems to happen so much. We meet people through the things that happen with our dogs. Shared, shared trauma is a really powerful yeah, thing. Yeah, these, these really bad things happen, but you come out of it with these really strong connections. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I even said to you, Lou, the other day, I like compare our friendship. And again, this is me being childless. So um, parents, please don't hate me. But my friends who went through NCT classes, like made really good friends for life because they all had babies at the same time. And now they're toddlers at the same time. And they're kind of going through toddlerhood together and they only really understand each other. So I think to have a friend that has a anxious, reactive dog that's the same age as mine, I can just bounce things off you all day and just don't feel as, um, as alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, right, right back at you and, and you, Jay, um, both of you helped me as well. So thank you. Um, but that brings us to the end of our, um, puppy blues podcast episode. There are lots more topics to talk about on puppies and we will be sure to cover them in time. But we think this one was was really important and one that was very personal to all three of us and we wanted to talk about. And if you do need to reach out to any of us, I mean, I won't be giving out Lucy's number, but (laughs) myself and Jay, um, you can get a hold of us on our social media handles. And as always, I'm on at Canine Friends UK, which is on um, both Facebook and Instagram. And you can email me to say, you know, I need, I need some help. We want to chat. You know, I do remote consults, always happy to help. 
Or if not, I recommend looking up some relevant Facebook support groups, but the right ones or reaching out to your friends. Just make sure you've got someone, someone there for you um, and you will get through it. Yeah, and you you can get hold of me on Facebook at Blue Mile Minion or viaguardianship.com. Again, you know, anything at all, you need to reach out to somebody, just just hit us up, you know. We're we're here, we're, we'll always help. And lastly, thank you so much to our guest, Lucy. You have been amazing. And thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable with your story. I'm sure it will help other people in kind of just hearing you know, other people's struggles and, and, and relating to certain elements of it. And maybe I can persuade you now to come on our separation anxiety podcast episode. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Part two yeah. of my trauma. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for having me guys. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, um, thanks everyone. And we will see you next episode. <laughs>